Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And I'm going to continue my series of podcast episodes where I'm releasing to you for free the core messages related to the free the dream message. I believe the message that God has created me to share with this world. I'm not suggesting that all of the content and the strategies and the techniques and the tools and the insights that I share are things that I have come up with on my own. In fact, most of them are not, if not all of them are not. I picked them up from folks like Tony Robbins, which I became convinced that this is all Tony's material. What am I doing teaching all this stuff? And then I read Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz and realized that 80% of the stuff I've learned from Tony Robbins, he learned from Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Anyway, none of this insight is new under the sun, but there is a real issue in this world in that these insights are largely unknown by most people. And they were unknown to me for most of my life until about four or five years ago, which many of you have recognized a little bit of change in my life, (laughs) to say the least. And it became clear to me that this is what I was meant to do, to share these messages in a way that people would be able to hear them, understand them, and apply them to their lives. Now, Most of the messages that I'm going to be sharing in this particular podcast, and I also, by the way, have launched a brand new podcast called Free the Dream Podcast. Most of the talks that I'm going to be sharing there are my talks, but I have selected a handful of other sessions delivered by some of my invited speakers at Free the Dream 2019, and I'm going to be sharing their messages as well. In the previous episode, episode 622 of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, I shared with you my opening keynote address to Free the Dream 2019, and the message I'm sharing with you today is not a talk that I gave, but my great friend, Tracy Trost, a talk that is right in line with the Free the Dream core message. In fact, it's very similar to what I taught last week about how we get the life that we believe we must have, that it's our thoughts and our emotions that are driven by our beliefs, and whatever we believe will lead us to the life that we have. What you're gonna get from Tracy Trost in this message is a more scientific neuroscience approach in understanding of the same message. And if you listen to this episode over and over again a couple times, you'll realize just how important it is to understand what's going on inside your brain when you're repeating things over and over again, when you're interacting with the people around you, mimicking the things that they do, oxytocin, dopamine, and all of these other things going on inside our brain 
And when you discover that you can control those chemicals, life gets really exciting, my friends. So without any further ado, here is the next message in the Free the Dream series by my friend, Tracy Trost. A few years ago, my daughter was about three years old. I was on the beach walking with her. She loves the beach and she loves walking and she loves collecting shells. And she starts collecting shells. I'm watching her. She's collecting these things. And she had um, one of those bathing suits that has like a little skirt thing on it. So she's actually like pulling the skirt thing up and she's stuffing shells into her deal. And it's getting to the point where it's so full, it's kind of overflowing. And I'm, I'm watching her just in amusement and, and admiration of her. But then as we walk along, she sees this one really big, really pretty, like blue kind of conch kind of shell. And she wants that. And so she goes to reach down for that shell. And as she does, she starts pouring out the little shells all over the place. So she starts picking up the smaller shells and putting those back in. And then she's going for the big shell. And then she starts losing these things. Her nickname is Jojo. I said, Jojo, if you want that shell, you're going to have to let go of some of these little ones that you've got. And as I'm saying it, I'm like, wow. That's me, isn't it? (laughs) Or that's you, or that's us. It's like, if I want something in life, sometimes I have to let go of the things that I've collected along the way. So today is my challenge to you, is to be willing to let go of some of the beliefs that you've built your life on, that have gotten you to where you are today. And be willing to leave that belief on the shore, so that when you get to the the thing that you want, you're willing to take on a new belief. And, and see things just a little bit differently. So here's the interesting thing. So everything Cliff said today kind of goes right along with what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to take it from a little bit different angle, though. I'm going to talk about the neuroscience of it. Why do we do the things that we do? There's habits. There's conditioning. It's like Cliff said, you are where you are today because of the beliefs and, and, and choices that you've made at this point. If you want to go somewhere else in life, you have to start making new beliefs and making new choices. This is who we are right here. We're like an iceberg. Everybody understands kind of the, the idea of an iceberg. You see that thing that's up above the water, but we all know that it's what's below the water that makes it float. We are that part above the water. Who we are today has been built by our primal brain. We've been conditioned. We have things that are called mirroring neurons. We have our reticular activating system. We have the chemicals of the brains. We have subconscious conditioning perception and truth, and then, of course, mindset. I'm going to try and talk about all these things here real quickly today so that you get an understanding of this and basically understand why you do what you do on a regular basis. And then the second half of what I want to talk about is what you can do to change that. Because having information about who you are and what you do doesn't really help you because that just kind of confirms the issues you have. But I'm going to help you understand that there are ways to and steps to do things to take you to the place you want to be in life. Because quite honestly, if you didn't want to be somewhere in life, you probably wouldn't be here. Am I right? Why do you come to a conference like this? To stay the same? No, you want to change. You're here to learn, to grow, to change your life. So that's why I'm here today, to help you do that. I'm going to share some truths with you today that are going to take you to that next step in your life. And the great thing about this is I've done it. And quite honestly, if I can do it, If Cliff can do it, if any one of these speakers can do it, you can, probably better than us. We probably have more issues than most of you guys do. 
So be encouraged by that. Be ready to go. One thing we got to understand is the brain. Most science, especially in public school, we talked about this a little bit this morning, my wife and I, believe that if they can touch the outside, the actions, the, the uh, rational part of the brain, they can train habits, they can train things. The thing you have to understand is that your primal brain is the brain that makes most of your decisions. Most of the decisions you make, you make without knowing you make them. Your primal brain is where the hippocampus lives, where the, the septum lives, where the amygdala lives, these areas of the brain. This is where the decision-making process starts happening before you know it starts happening. This is our our fight-or-flight situation. This is what keeps us alive. The thing that we have to understand is that we want to mostly stay safe. Decisions are made in this area. The prefrontal cortex acts on the decision that's made, and then a chemical is released to support that decision. Okay, it's like, like Cliff was saying, you've got belief, you've got emotions, you've got choices, right? And they make, they make you do the things that you do. That's because you've been trained to do this. You've been conditioned to do these things from when you were from zero to seven years old. When the chemicals are released, is released in the primal brain, it's always about survival. It's always about staying safe. And here's the interesting thing is like people who, and, and I don't remember the exact statistic, but it was like 80-something percent of women who had grown up in an abusive relationship as a child somehow marry into or enter into more abusive relationships. Why would that be? Because it's safe. Even though it is the thing that destroys their life, even though it's the thing that's bad for them, it's safe. It's what they know. It's what they're familiar with. And we do that all the time. We make decisions many times based, again, subconsciously. We make decisions and choices because we want to stay safe. Even though the thing that we're making a decision to do could be the very thing that harms me or hurts me. So if you can understand that when it comes time and your decision-making process and you start to have a a reaction or a trigger to something, understand usually you're just trying to stay safe. And you can feel it, you know, anxieties, anxiousness. Let's talk about some of the drug chemicals that are released. I'm sure you've heard of some of these. Oxytocin is what's called the, the cuddle hormone. It's the one that's that bond that's built between like a mother and a child. Oxytocin is the, the most important chemical to understand because it is the one that causes you to take action. Serotonin is that kind of well-being chemical that's released. And they've found in studies that people who suffer from different amounts of depression usually are low on serotonin. So when you're not releasing serotonin, when you're not walking in a peaceful state, you enter in that stressful state, serotonin decreases, depression kind of increases. Dopamine is that reward drug, that one that when you do something and you, you accomplish, you feel good, you get a hit of dopamine. The sad thing is dopamine is also the addictive drug, meaning like if you have issues with gambling or stealing or there's that, like, that high that you get when you do something, you get away with something, your body rewards you again because it's what you know and you stay with what is safe, right? So that's where most addicts get into, even on, on drug addicts. And then cortisol. Cortisol is the most interesting one to me because cortisol is called the stress hormone and it's released under times of stress, under times of pressure. The interesting thing about cortisol is it's that fight-or-flight chemical. It shuts down primary functions in the body, and it pushes stuff to the limbs, like the arms, the legs, and the brain. So like, you'll stop creating new cells, you'll stop, your immune system goes down when cortisol is released, but you're ready to fly. Adrenaline goes up when cortisol is released. So it's considered the fight-or-flight issue you run into is it was meant to help carry you away from danger, but it was not meant to be something that you live in. 
And this is where cancers and tumors and diseases and rashes and, and anxiety comes from. Because if you're not getting to a place of peace in your life, you're constantly releasing this, this cortisol into your body, and then you're in that fight-or-flight mode all the time. People who suffer from anxiety have a lot of cortisol flowing through their system. So I wanted to just give you a brief kind of input in that because these things, you, you have to remember, is every time you make a decision or you do something, it builds your belief. And so when you choose to believe something and move on it, your body is going to reward you. First, it's going to fight you. Because if you have an old belief and you're saying, let's, let's talk about like speaking, okay? If somebody who's never spoke on a stage, and you say, I want to be a speaker, that's scary. These people are all going to judge me and they're going to look at me and I, and my, I got wrinkles and I have to go to the bathroom and all these things start happening to me and it's, it's not safe. So my body fights me. But when I do it and some guy comes up to me afterwards and says, hey man, your, your speech changed my life. Boy, I get that hit going the other direction and I learn new things and all of a sudden these things start to become belief systems. So let's talk a little bit about conditioning and, and implicit belief. Why do I have a picture of a roast on the screen? That's kind of a strange thing to have because I want to tell you a story. And that story is when I first got married to my wife, who's here, by the way, she's a beautiful woman standing over there by President Bush. She is going to cook me roast because I like roast. And she takes the roast off, puts it on the counter. She cuts an end off here, cuts it off here, and cuts a side off, puts the roast in the pan, puts the pan in the oven. And I'm like, wait a second, why are you cutting the ends off the roast? Well, it's because it's how you cook a roast. I'm thinking, my mom never cooked a roast like that. Something, just the point that young married guys, don't ever tell your wife what your mom used to do when you first get married. It doesn't go over too well. So uh, I said, that's not how you cook a roast. You just put the roast in the pan, you put vegetables on there, all that. And she goes, well, that's how my mom's always done it. So I call mother-in-law. Hey, mother-in-law, when you cook a roast, do you cut the ends off and, put in, in the, and cut the sides off and put it in the pan? She goes, yeah, of course, that's how you cook a roast. Why do you do it that way? I don't know, it's just how my mom has always done it. And I said, okay, so we call grandma. Grandma. When you cook a roast, do you cut the sides off and the ends off? And she goes, well, yeah, of course. I go, why? Well, because my pan was too small. Okay, funny story, but it's true. We do or are what we have seen in our life. The thing we have to remember is most of the things that we've learned and believe, we learn by age seven. And the interesting thing about people from age zero to seven, their brain patterns are in a theta brainwave, the, the calm, the relaxed brainwave. It's actually the same brainwave pattern that you get into when you're hypnotized. And when you're in that relaxed theta brainwave pattern, you're in the intake, in the suggestive part. And your brain is writing these files on your hard drive in your brain. And these files are things that then you access later on. Cliff touched on some of this same thing. Most of the times, the things that you deal with in life, you deal with with the mind of probably a seven-year-old, especially fears, especially things that cause you to repel or get afraid. Does that make sense? So understanding that and knowing that, you have to understand that it's only true if you believe it's true. Who you are, what you do, where you go, all these things, these choices that you make, 95% of them are made in the subconscious mind. And then when that decision is made, your brain releases a chemical. That chemical says, yes, this is true, this is good, and you keep doing it, even if that thing is 
harmful or dangerous for you. Are you conditioned or have you been conditioned? Do whatever seems natural when you hear this sound. Why did you do that? You've been to the ballpark, you've experienced something. I mean, when's the last time you've been to a ball game? When's the last time you've done that? Maybe years. For some, for some you've just recently been there. But that thing came probably from when you were a child, you've been doing that or heard that. And here you are, you all look like you're about your late 20s. Um, here you are in your late 20s, and you hear this noise, and all of a sudden this thing just comes up naturally to you. So that is conditioning. That happens to us every day when we do things. That is how we live our lives. We walk through life, an experience comes, a stimuli comes. We react subconsciously. We say things, we do things, we repel. Even beliefs, even like, no, I would never do that, or no, I can never say that, or no, that can never happen to me. Like all these things that, that Cliff had listed on his thing, you know, you have to work really hard to make money, or you have to hate my job to make money, or whatever these things are. Things that we've either been told, things that we've heard our parents say, most of the times we believe about our work what our parents believed about their work, until you renew your mind and change what you're thinking. Does the subconscious mind direct us? Think of the last time you purchased a new car. Once you purchased that car, did you start to see that car everywhere? Yeah. There's a thing in the bottom of your skull here. It's a little knob called the reticular activating system. Your brain, and I can't remember the number, billions and billions of pieces of information come in. Your brain is taking stuff in all the time. Your RAS is built there to basically help you file through what is important to me. What is important to me is what I believe. Like right now, your RAS is working. You're excited about what's going on here. You're identifying things and listening to things, and you're seeing things based on what you believe. Your brain is taking all this information in, but right now, you're not aware of the pants touching your leg. But now you are, because I said it. Your brain can't take all that information in all the time. So it's saying to me what's important. You purchase a car, you start to see that car everywhere because your brain says, oh, Tracy's made this car part of his life, so this is important now, so I'm going to show it to him everywhere he goes. The same thing is true with beliefs. You have a set of beliefs in your life. If your focus is on something negative, then you'll start to see the negative stuff everywhere. If your belief is more on the positive side, on the good side, you're going to see things that are positive. You're going to see things that reinforce what you believe. So to retrain your RAS, the great thing about this, because I'm sharing this information with you, because what Cliff has shared, because what you're going to hear throughout the rest of the weekend, your RAS is going to look to reinforce that. And the more you reinforce it, the more the chemicals will be released, the oxytocin and the dopamine will be released, to support that. So the important thing, if you can, when you get done with this, and I don't know if you're getting the tapes or the slides, but continually feed this stuff to yourself. Because then you start to build your, your train, your reticular activating system, to say, this is what I want as a part of my life. And then your body, and some people call this the law of attraction. I don't know if it's so much attraction, I would call it more the law of attention. I'm starting to see it because it's what I want to be a part of my life. I've made it a part of my life, and my brain is going to help me confirm that back to me. Does that make sense? There's a lot there. Subconscious conditioning. There's a thing that we have in our body called mirroring neurons. Mirroring neurons are the things that help us learn language, help us learn traits, help us learn 
just about everything about us. I've got a short little video I'll show you about so you get an understanding. The name mirror neuron comes from the fact that they fire both when you do something and when you watch someone doing something, even if you, like, don't move a muscle. Basically, it's as if they mirror the neural activity of the person actually doing the thing. Many neuroscientists now think that they help us learn from other people through observation. Take a 2009 study, for example, which looked at how these parts of the brain are active while people were being taught how to dance. The researchers used a game similar to Dance Dance Revolution and varied whether the participants were taught the steps using symbols on a screen or a human model in addition to the symbols. And they found that parts of the mirror neuron network really tune into human actions. For example, the superior temporal cortex was more active while watching a person demonstrate the dance than the symbolic breakdown of the step. Human mirror neurons aren't exactly the same as the monkey ones, though. Ours seem to care about the actual movement, while theirs are more strongly tied to the movement's meaning. Like, say you grab a water bottle the way you normally would, and then you put it down and grab it with your hand, like, upside down instead, which makes drinking it a lot harder. It's basically the same muscle motion either way, but one serves a meaningful function. But in people, the mirror neuron regions of the frontal lobe activate regardless of whether the action makes sense. All that matters is the actual hand motion. It's possible that this helps explain why humans are so good at learning by imitation. Part of our brain is always paying attention to motions that seem meaningless, just in case we can learn from them. Mirror neurons are something that's built into us. It's something that I believe the Lord has put into our lives to help us train up a child in the way it should go if your parents, if you're copying what your parents do. It's something that is so inherent in us that even at 10 minutes old, a baby will mimic something that you do. Now the issue is, depending on what we were as an infant or who we were as a child growing up to age seven, we are mimicking what we've seen. Unless you get to the point where you retrain your brain. We'll talk a little bit about the retraining. The great thing about mirror, mirroring neurons is they can actually be kind of fun too. What do you think is happening to that guy when he's doing that with his baby? Oxytocin hit, huge, bonding between the father and the son, and the, and the baby's getting hit at the same time. The baby's being rewarded for action. So the more the baby copies dad, the more reward baby gets, right? We're all the same way. We've all done that. So let's do the math just a little bit, all right? Conditioning, things that we've learned from people that we've been around up to age seven, leads to implicit belief. Beliefs are things that we act on the rest of our lives. Whether it's true or untrue, we act on it. This leads to a chemical response. Our brain, to support what we believe, again, whether true or untrue, will reward us and keep us moving down the same path to keep us safe. We always want to be safe. You add that to a stimulus, and you get subconscious triggering. This is what happens to us in life when we see something or hear something that just doesn't hit us right or it scares us or it moves us to a point of like, I could never do that or I could never be that or I can't send that invoice because I didn't earn it. That was a trigger for Cliff. Yet he could retrain his brain and get past that. This leads to belief being more true than true. I think most of the times we act in life believing things that are really not true, but because we believe them, we make them true. Picture this. I have a room, right? And I put a big spider in that room. Right now, some of you are reacting to that. Some of you are triggering on this. I can put three different people in that room 
and I can get three entirely different reactions. One may be a fear. Ah, spider's scary, get rid of it, it's, it's horrible. Or indifference, like, yeah, big deal, it's a spider, who cares? Or I could get, this would be my son, Wesley. Oh my gosh, look at that cool spider, I'm going to hold it, I'm going to love it, and I'm going to name it Fred, you know? Three different reactions, same spider. What's the difference? What they believe about the spider. It's the only difference. What you believe about things in life are more true to you than actual truth. The truth is, the spider's harmless. It's a docile, it's called a Goliath, bird-eating spider. It loves to be held, loves to be cuddled. But because somebody believes it's something to be feared, how do they believe it's something to be feared? Maybe mom, when mom saw a spider, freaked out and got a broom and smashed it. Or if somebody's indifferent, maybe dad went, yeah, big deal, it's a spider, who cares? Or if my son, Wesley, grew up with my wife, cool, let's get it, let's look at it, let's study it. Where's it from? Oh, it's this kind of spider, you know. It just depends what you've been trained. So understand, every time you have a reaction to something, you got to ask yourself, why do I believe this? Why am I reacting this way? What do I truly believe? What is the truth about this thing? Is this thing supposed to be feared? There are other people doing it. Why, why are they not afraid of it? You don't have to be afraid of most things you're afraid of because most times the truth about it is not even close to what you believe about it. Procrastination is a huge part of that. Many times when we put things off that we don't want to do because we have some sort of fear tied to it, when we actually do the thing, it really wasn't that bad. It really wasn't very hard to do. Understanding that we are who we are by the choices and decisions that we've made to this point, based on the beliefs that we have in our lives, based on the conditioning that we've gotten as a child, up to about seven years old, we are who we are today because of that. Now what? What do we do? How do we take all that information, understanding that there is a chemical tie to our choices, to our emotions, that we can retrain ourselves to do something or be somebody different. I've got six steps that I can share with you, but I want to give you a couple quotes first. Les Brown says, we do not get what we want, we get what we are. So if what you're getting in life isn't what you want, maybe you look at changing who you are. We are what we believe we are. This guy, some guy out of, uh, of Kentucky, belief is nothing more than a thought that you feel and certain is true. Because you believe it is true, it becomes true to you. Whether it's true or not, because you believe it's true, it becomes true. We are what we think. Marcus Aurelius, a man's life is what his thoughts make of it. Ralph Waldo Emerson, a man is what he thinks about all day long. William James, the greatest discovery in my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitudes of mind. We need only to act as if the thing in question were real, and it will become infallibly real by growing in such a connection in life that will become real. If we believe it, it will become real. If you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe, out of the good word. Norman Vincent Peale, the great law briefly stated is that if you think in negative terms, you will get negative results. If you think in positive terms, you will achieve positive results. This is the simple fact that is the basis of an astonishing law. In three words, believe and succeed. William Shakespeare says, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we often might win by failing to attempt. All these guys you know, have realized, and those who we build statues to and who we revere are those who stood out and did something different. We are what we think about. George Bernard Shaw said, people will blame their circumstances on what they are. I don't believe in circumstances. 
The people who get on in this world are the people who take the chances they want if they can find them and make them. You can change. My favorite scripture in the Bible, I actually have it tattooed on my arm. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. You can change. We all can change, but it starts up here first. It starts with thought and it starts with belief. So how do we do it? Number one, measure your input. This is important. What do you put in your mind every day? Are you a YouTuber? Are you watching TV? Are you listening to things? What is it that you put in your mind today? What do you surround yourself with? Who do you surround yourself with? I've created a pattern. I had a, a dream one night. In this dream, I was this violent, angry person. I was yelling. The worst part is I was yelling at my parents, and I was swearing at them. For some reason, I was angry, and I don't know why I was so angry. And I woke up, and I'm like, Lord, what is the issue here? And um, that scripture says, uh, it was, I think it's Psalms 111.19, Thy word have I hidden in my heart, so that I shall not sin against thee. And I thought, what am I putting in my heart first thing? Well, for me, it was always emails. First thing I get up, any issues I got to deal with today, anything that's fallen apart that I got to talk to, you know, that kind of stuff. And I realized I was not putting the word in my heart every day for sure. And it was either uh, Facebook or Instagram or emails. So I had to start a whole new pattern. And so now it's first the word, then it's affirmations, then it's meditation, and I don't look at emails until I get to work, which is crazy because I was always addicted to that stuff. Who you surround yourself with is very important. We have to understand that we are social beings and we find safety in following the crowd. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You are greatly influenced, whether you like it or not, by those closest to you. The effect, your way of thinking, your self-esteem, and your decision-making. There was an experiment done, a social experiment. I'm going to share it with you here real quick, just a short little video. We set up a hidden camera experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this. Or would you? What began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting room. When I saw everybody stand up, I felt like I needed to join them. Otherwise, I'm like excluded. Once I decided to go with it, then I felt much more comfortable. And it's why even this rebel, who wasn't standing for any of this nonsense, eventually joined the ranks. It's funny, but it's true. Did you notice what she said? Once I saw that going on, I felt left out. I didn't want to be excluded from the crowd because when you're left out, when you're on the outside, then it's not safe. But if I'm with the crowd, whatever the crowd is doing, then I'm safe. And then she said, once I did it, I felt good. What do you think happened to her when she did that? Dopamine hit. She got rewarded. And the more she did it, the more she got rewarded. So much to the point that when the new guy came in, instead of just stopping, because this guy doesn't know what the beep is, it doesn't matter, he's not going to influence her, she taught the new pattern to the new guy. The new guy didn't want to be left out. I don't know if you saw, they're like nodding at each other. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Because you will mimic and you will become like them. I'll leave that up to you to decide who you need to get rid of in your life. <laughs> Create your affirmation list. If you don't have an affirmation list, you need to get one. For example, on my list, 
I say in the year 2019, I make blank dollars. I have 25 rental properties that cash flow and are fully rented. Good things happen to me and good things happen through me. These are things that I say to myself every day. And I tell you what, when I started doing that, these things started happening. Again, not the law of attraction, though things are attracted, but I think the law of reticular activating system. The more I put these into my body and tell my brain this is what I want to be, the more my reticular activating system looks for those things. And opportunities just happen to come up here. I also believe God blesses us for sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking out the providence of God's hand in our lives. But also I believe the things that you're learning today, these are the tools that God has given us for our lives. If we can understand these things, we can use the right tools to get to where we want to be in life. It's like if I want to work on an engine, I use wrenches and sockets because it's the right tool for the right job. These are the tools for our life. Do it every morning first thing. Get it in your brain. Make it happen first thing. Write down what you want to be. Write in the present. You know, I am this. I go here. I get this. Make it about the present. Number three. Oh, yeah, keep it positive. That's important, too. Because your brain doesn't understand the, the difference between positive or negative. Like, if you're, consider your brain like a field that a farmer has, and he plants one seed of corn, another one of a deadly poisonous nightshade. Your brain is like the field. The field's going to grow either one of them because either one, the seed has been planted. The field doesn't care what you grow. Your brain doesn't care what you put in it. It's just going to look to reinforce what you've asked it to do. So keep it positive. Like if I say to you, don't think of a pink elephant. Dang it, what'd you do? But I said, don't. So make sure when you write your affirmations, you say, don't say, I will not blank, or I will not whatever. Just say, I am this, or I will that, or I have, or I do. Make sure you keep it to the affirmation to where you want it to be because your brain just doesn't get the difference. Speak it. Say it. Read your affirmations out loud. Sounds weird. I'm sitting on the toilet every morning reading my affirmations out loud. My, my wife has gotten used to me talking to myself. Say it out loud. There's something about the power of speaking things into existence. Tell people about it. Practice it. When you talk to people about your dream, when you tell people what you're going to do, you start practicing in your brain. Again, your RAS kicks in. Your RAS is going to look for the things that you're talking about, the things that you're affirming in your life, the things that you're trying to bring to pass. Number four, express gratitude. I can't ex put an emphasis on things more than this one. Gratitude has an effect on the body, the mind, the soul, and it's just the expression of doing it. There's some experiments done. I'm trying to UCLA's Mindfulness Awareness Research Center. Regularly, they say regularly expressing Gratitude literally changes the molecular structure in the brain, the gray matter, where the neurons connect, where the neurons fire. You ever heard that term, neurons that fire together, wire together? If you're expressing gratitude, you actually start writing new paths in your brain. It keeps it functioning and much healthier and happier. For your body, Robert Emmons, the professor of psychology at UC Davis, he says expressing gratitude can lower blood pressure, it can improve immune function, that's where the serotonin It's coming, you're getting rid of the cortisol and you're putting the serotonin in. And uh, facilitate a more efficient sleep. So if you want to sleep better, express gratitude. You don't need melatonin. Express gratitude. For the mind, a recent study from GGCS SC says, shows that the use of the word thank you on a regular basis trains the brain to support the behavior by releasing oxytocin in the blood. If you want oxytocin in your blood, if you want a more peaceful life, if you want to have motivated life, just saying thank you. Hey, thank you, by the way, for being here. 
Elizabeth Zanlin, she says, gratitude research is beginning to suggest that expressing feelings of gratitude can have a tremendous positive value in helping people come with daily problems, especially stress. So if you want to release stress in your life, express gratitude. Number five, see it in your mind, act as if it is true. If there's something that you want in your life. Do you remember Roger Bannister? Do you know who he is? Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. This is back in 1935 or 36. I don't remember exactly. The funny thing is research back then told runners that if you ran faster than four minutes, your heart would explode, you would physically fall apart, you would break bones, your body could not handle it. So belief at that time was stopping runners from hitting that. But Roger Bannister had gotten down to four minutes, three seconds, four minutes, five seconds, and he's thinking, there's got to be a way if I can do it. Roger would actually go sit at the track and imagine himself running the race, see himself running the race, see himself. He'd see the clock at four minutes, and he did that. And he says, it is the brain, not the heart and lungs, that is the critical organ. Once you stop believing something is impossible, it becomes possible. When you're willing to believe that the impossible is possible for you, it becomes possible. Possibility is possible to you because you believe it's possible. What's that? Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you cannot, you are correct. Belief is what drives us. It's what keeps us going. It's what, and it is, belief has taken us to where we are today. You are who you are because you are who you believe you can be right now. And until you are willing to believe something different, you will never be any different. The beautiful thing about that is that means that anything is possible, that all life is open to do whatever you want to do, to be whoever you want to be, if you're willing to believe it. How do you believe it? These six steps will train you how to believe things. Repetition is the key. He ran the race in his head hundreds of times before he physically ran the race. Here's one thing I ask myself. This comes back to when I first started getting into to movies. I owned a, uh, a printing company, and I used to print direct mail. Sorry about that, by the way. If you... <laughs> If you ever got a flyer from Dish Network or DirecTV, it probably came from me. But it wasn't a passion of mine. Telling stories was a passion of mine. I was able to affect the lives of people in my business. I had about 140 employees at the time. And I could train these things that I'm training you today and teach these things. But I wasn't passionate about what I did. And so I started writing. I remember writing my first script in 2008, which was horrible the first time. And I actually wanted to quit after that because it scared me. But what started that and how that came about, I was in one of my book meetings and the, the book asked the question, if you could be anybody you wanted to be or do anything you wanted to do and, and, and failure wasn't an option, what would you do? You know, and I went around the room once, one, one girl said I'd be a photographer or I'd be a masseuse and all these things. And then they came to me, Tracy, what would you do? And I said, well, I'd be a director. I'd, I'd make movies. And one of the girls in there asked me, so why aren't you? And, I, and at the time, I said, well, I'm too busy. I've got this work, and I own this company, and all this different stuff. The truth was, I didn't believe I could. It scared me, because that would put me out there, and that means that people could judge my work and judge me as a person, and who am I to think I could write a, a screenplay and, and make a movie? But I started asking my, myself this question. I remember one person came to me and said, hi, I'm so-and-so, and what do you do? And I always used to say, oh, I own a printing company or a marketing company. And I remember the first time I said, I'm a director. And even saying those words was scary for me because that meant I, had to start, I was starting to identify myself as a director. 
and that meant I was committing myself. That's why it's important to tell people your dream because you're not only telling them, but you're almost you're convincing yourself at the same time. So if, you're, if you want to say, I don't, I don't know what somebody's dream is, but say your dream is to be a speaker and you're going through life and you're working on different projects, sometimes we can fill our lives with being busy and there's a big difference between busy and productive. And I, I'm, this is something I still always have to work on because you can be busy doing things all day, but never advance your life, never advance your position, never advance to your dream because you've just been busy. And so as I'm working on things, I'll say, is that something the speaker would do? And if the answer isn't yes, then I'm not going to do it. Because the speaker, if I'm a speaker, or say it's a job that you want to do, I don't know what, what somebody's jobs are, say it's a filmmaker or whatever, is that something that a filmmaker would do? Ask yourself that question. It's important because it helps you keep your brain on the same path. Because again, you can fill your life with busyness and doing things that don't take you along the path that you want to go. Number six, focus on daily steps. This is an important thing because many times the goal is so far out there. I equate this to when I started running again just for health reasons. And I remember I I had to run three miles and I'm looking down, okay, three miles down the road is that barn way down there. And if I'm running, looking up at it, it just never seems to get closer to me. The more I run, it's like, I'm never going to make it. It's just too far away. My legs hurt now. And oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. But if I kept my head down and I set goals, I'm going to make it to that driveway. I'm going to make it to that mailbox. I'm going to make it to that. All of a sudden, these goals I start obtaining along the way, I start getting that support. I start getting that dopamine hit. Next thing you know, I look up and the barn is here. How did I get here so fast? That's crazy. So make sure that you create a plan with short-term goals achievable goals, and then reward yourself. Set up something like with your spouse or with if you're working with, with uh, people that you work with and say, I'm going to do this and to hit these things. When I hit this goal, I hit that next mailbox, I'm going to have ice cream, which is the worst thing to do, but you know, I'm going to do something to reward myself. And then you train yourself basically to go, to go through your, your long-term goal through short-term goals. And in doing that, you it's, it's crazy how you can accomplish a huge thing. You know, what's that one saying? How do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time or the thousand mile journey starts with the first step. Make sure that life is small steps. And if you keep your focus on the small steps to lead you to your big step, you'll, you'll make that. Measure daily steps versus the whole journey. Celebrate the small successes. Very important. So those are the six steps. This is why you can do anything and you can be anybody that you want to be. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Well, my friends, I hope you are enjoying the Free the Dream series of messages. And if you found this message helpful to you today, I simply ask you to consider one question. Do you know somebody that needs to hear this message? If so, please share it. Until next time, my friends, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset and